Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello and welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. Joining me today is my new friend, Andrea Cott. She is an author. She, You know what? Here's what I want to get to because in my brief experience with you so far, Andrea, I've, I've just found you to be, as you called it before we started the mics, an open book. <laughs> that you're sharing your life and your story not for the purpose of bringing some kind of glory to yourself, but because you see that there's value there that could help other people in their journey. And I just, I'm so appreciative of that energy and that approach that you're bringing to this. And I'm, I'm pleased to welcome you today to Live on Purpose Radio. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real honor to be here. Thank you. Andrea, could you share with our listeners today the brief version of your story? What it, what it is that brings you here? What, what has lit you up to come to this point? I wanted to tell the story of my journey from childhood to adulthood through a Jewish lens. And, mm-hmm. I, and I wanted to do that because I'm a Jewish person who didn't ever feel like I deserved to be Jewish because I did not meet what I considered to be the stereotypical description Mm -hmm. of what it meant to be Jewish because I was raised in an impoverished home that had a lot of domestic violence, a lot of emotional violence and abuse. And um, that wasn't the model that I grew up seeing when I was a child. And so I made an association between being Jewish and being upper middle class or having two parents or having even a lot of money or belonging to a synagogue, none of which I had. And so as I, as I got older, I found myself searching for spiritual belonging and God and some kind of religious home and realized that I had it, but I didn't know how to tap into it. Uh And, and it, it took a series of, of very traumatic and sad events for me to finally realize that it was in me all the time. And I just had to, I had to find out how to, how to get to it and feel legitimate about it. And I wanted, and, and along the way, I realized I had a lot of other issues that I think a lot of people have, regardless of their religion or ethnic or cultural background. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to share that. You know what I love about this, Andrea? You're story is specific to you, but your story is also everyone's story with whatever details or context they bring to it. And as you've described feeling out of place, like you didn't really fit. And, and I love the way you caught yourself when you said that you started to say the expectations or whatever, and then you changed it to my perception of or my understanding of the expectations right that's an important clarification i think sometimes we develop beliefs about the way things are that 
probably have nothing to do with reality when it comes right down to it. Right. And it can be so liberating to come to a new understanding or a new belief about that. It sounds like that's what you've done through your journey. That's right. With a lot of help from a lot of good people around me, I might add. Yes. And that is good news, right? Because we don't have to do this ourselves. Absolutely. No, including therapists. <laughs> so, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <sighs> You've learned some things through this journey. Can you highlight for us what were some of the key points that were, you know, where the lights went on and you came yeah. to realizations? Can you share with us what, what some of that journey's been for you? Sure thing. Um, well, I think. I'll start with um, belonging. Uh-huh. I, I, you know, as you said, I, I craved a sense of belonging and I couldn't find it because um, I grew up in surrounded by largely middle and upper middle class Jewish families. And I was lower class. So just, I'm, and I'm just talking economics. I'm not talking, right? I'm just saying we were poor. We were on welfare. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't feel like I fit in there. And I didn't feel like I fit in to um, the Jewish community. And I certainly didn't know anything about being Jewish because I had had no Jewish education because that was something that my single mother couldn't afford. So my life was really spent searching for belonging in any way that I could find it. I ended up creating for myself my own club, which is the club of overachievement. You know, so (laughs) I I became this star student and I became a, you know, I was a competitive speaker and I was a state champion and I was a swimmer and et cetera, et cetera. But I was unhappy because I didn't feel like I belonged any place outside myself. Ultimately, what I found is that it's, it's, I had to embrace myself first, right? I had to give myself permission to tell myself that I was enough, just who I was without having to perform, without having to be this person, and that, and that I, I was getting in my own way. I was getting in my own right. way. Right. So when I finally started to understand and I must I must say some of that came through prayer, you know, some of that just came through prayer and sitting quietly and just realizing that I needed love and self and acceptance. And it took a long time for me to realize that I had to give that to myself. Isn't that interesting? that we get into our own way. You're talking about giving yourself permission or acknowledging Mm -hmm. to yourself that Mm -hmm. you're enough without having to strive for whatever achievements or accomplishments you thought were tied to your being able to belong Mm -hmm. somewhere. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering today, Andrea, if we can give people permission and, and save them Save them the hassle of trying to get there themselves. <laughs> I don't, I don't yeah. know if we can. You've got permission. <laughs> yeah. To yeah. be enough as you are. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's, it's difficult. And I think, I think, you know, I think our culture 
makes it hard independent of any kind of religious piece, right? Because yeah. we're, you know, we're told we have to look a certain way and earn a certain amount and live in a certain place and be a certain person. And I, right. and, and I added to all those layers, you know, I, I mean, I wanted to be part of a Jewish community, but I didn't, I didn't, I felt like I didn't have all the, the pieces in place that I needed to do that. Right. But I did. I mean, I really did. I, I was born Jewish. That's, that's the fact. It's, I didn't have to yeah. go to, you know, I didn't have to get a degree or to prove I had it in me, but right. you know, my, my brain was, I was excommunicating myself. Right. As if you have that kind of authority. Right. <laughs> right. <sighs> to realize that we have what it takes within us. Mm -hmm. I, I think this is a universal principle, Andrea. Mm -hmm. I think that, uh, you know, we get the, into these goofy beliefs that somehow we're deficient or we're not enough. Mm -hmm. because we become painfully aware of our own shortcomings or weaknesses mm -hmm. and, and sometimes just overlook our strengths and our resources that are mm -hmm. also there, that are also part of the picture. Mm -hmm. And it's not to deny the realities. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the reality is you had a single mom mm -hmm. who was living in poverty. Mm -hmm. um, okay. That's mm -hmm. easy to see and identify and then use as a reason why you can't belong or can't fit in. But it sounds like you had to come to some realization of what you do have. Mm -hmm. Not what you're missing, but what you do have mm -hmm. and what you're already equipped with. Mm -hmm. That's empowering. Yeah. I mean, right. And, you know, it took decades to, to get there, right? Because there was a lot of shame. And I think that's something that, I think a lot of people can relate to that experience of shame, um, of feeling just sort of embarrassed about who you are. Um, and if, you know, I, if, if, a, if a person is parented well, then ideally a, a child grows up with a, with some beginning flame of, 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 self-worth because a parent gives that to a child but mm -hmm. if you don't get that as a child and I really didn't then you have to sort of create that for yourself and it, oh. it I think it takes a while to understand what what the most you know what's a valuable essence right it's not it's not what we look like or what club we belong to or how much money we make or et cetera, et cetera. It's in my opinion, who we are in our hearts, right? And who we are as, as moral, ethical people. To me, that's my value. Um, and, and that's also quite tied into my culture, right? To, the, to being a Jew. Is, is right. it's a very morally based, ethically based tradition. And, and that's where I found my, my in. I thought, oh, I, this is me. I can, I, of course I belong here because I care so much about being a good person in the world. That's what I, it's not right. all that it's about, but that's, that for me is, is very key. Before we come into our break, Andrea, I've got a question I want to ask you. Back, 
back when you founded the Overachievers Club. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when you became the founding member of the Overachievers Club and, and you, you were able to achieve much. Yeah. Really, in terms of the way we measure achievement, right? You, you did well with that. And the question I have for you, what did that provide for you? Did it give you what you were missing or did you achieve that only to find that wasn't it? B. <laughs> it was very temporary, B. right? It was temporary because what happens, it's, it's sort of like a drug, right? So I, win a, I, won, I would win. My example is I was a competitive speaker in high school mm -hmm. for three years and I was the state champion. Um, in California, right, for one of my events. And, you know, year after year, trophy after trophy, it sounds silly, but that became my, I, that became who I thought I was. I was the star, right? And everything else I did, either, you know, good grades in school, I became a published writer at a very young age, all those things, they were fine, but they're all external. So did they give me what I needed? Yeah, like, like a cup of coffee does in the morning until the caffeine goes low. Sure. Um, they gave me what I needed for a while. And then it wore off. And then I thought, now what? Now, well, how do I get that good feeling back? So it wasn't sustainable. And that you continue to achieve. And that gets exhausting. Absolutely. And the other thing is, is that if you you keep trying and you don't achieve at the same level that you expect yourself to mm -hmm. the flip side of that is that you feel like you're a failure. Right. Wow. Maybe we can find some hope in all of this. Too, <laughs> I, I'm clearly understanding that you've come through that, that you've, you've completed more of a journey than what we've addressed so far. When we come back from this break, folks, we're going to dig into what some of those principles are and what they might look like in your life. This is Andrea Cott at Live On Purpose Radio. We'll be right back. Are you ready to take your positivity to a whole new level? I've been enjoying these conversations with my guests at Live On Purpose Radio. My own story about becoming more positive is something that I've shared in my book, Pathological Positivity. And right now I'm giving the book away. You just pay for the shipping. Go to drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, and click on the big orange button right there that will get you a free copy of my book. You pay the shipping, I'll pay for the book. Sound like a good deal? Power up your positivity and get ready to see phenomenal changes in your happiness, your relationships, your business, every aspect of life. Enjoy this free gift from me. DrPaulJenkins.com And we're back. Andrea Cott today at Live On Purpose Radio. There's such a richness, Andrea, that we could explore with, with your story, which I acknowledged in the first half is your story. It's specific to you, but it's also everyone's story depending on their specific circumstances or context, because there are principles, I think, that bubble to the surface. And as you and I were chatting during the break, you mentioned a couple of principles that you have found to be 
important. And I also mentioned before the break, let's create some hope from all of this. <laughs> because as we feel trapped or stuck in our life or like we don't belong, you're a great example, Andrea, of how you can come to a place where you, you feel the belonging and it's probably not going to be through the artificial, superficial means like achievement. That you can do achievement and it'll give you the quick little buzz, mm -hmm. but it's not sustainable. Other things are. Mm -hmm. And you've found a couple of principles that you've found to be crucial and also sustainable. Can you share with us what those are? Absolutely. The first one is forgiveness. Um, forgiveness. Forgiveness. Yeah, absolutely. Of, this. of others and of myself. Um, that's particularly important now because we just finished the high ho the Jewish high holidays mm. when we are supposed to both apologize to people who we have wronged and the apology has to be in person, can't be an email, can't be a text, has uh -huh. to be face to face. So you apologize, you promise to redeem, to repent, you turn yourself around, you, you try to be the best self you can be. You promise God that in the next year you will be, but also you forgive. And I had a lot of, I, I, when I was a young person, I think I expected that people owed me the apologies, right? right. I felt that yeah. my mother, my mother owed me the apology for being the parent she was. I had a brother who owed me the apology for abandoning me in a time of need. I felt like the, I felt sorry for myself. Mm. As I got older, and unfortunately, only after my mother died, did I realize that I'd never apologized to her, that I, I was hurtful to her. And I wasn't empathic. And I, I, I was too young to understand why her life was so hard. It, you know, I'm a, a parent now. I, yeah. and I And I have a very wonderful family and supportive husband, not, none of which my mother had. So it was too late for me to say sorry or, or to forgive her, but it wasn't too late before my brother died, which was only three years ago, to when he did finally apologize to me for me to forgive him. And it, it felt wonderful because life is just so short. So that's one thing. I think forgiveness allows us to release a burden and it's not even, I mean, even though your mother has passed, mm -hmm. you can continue to carry a burden related to your thoughts and your beliefs about her or, or practice that forgiveness even that she's gone now mm -hmm. because it frees you. Mm -hmm. And never mind what it does for the other person. I mean, it's wonderful to offer a forgiveness or an apology to someone else but what i'm really intrigued with here is the change that it makes in our own heart and mind the way that it allows us as you said earlier to kind of get out of your own way and experience a different level of freedom mm -hmm. in your own life has that been true to your experience absolutely true absolutely true it takes a lot of energy to be angry at somebody it, it does. Takes, you know, and it takes a lot of energy to walk around and hold that anger. Um, yeah. You know, Andrea, as you said that, uh, I, I'm remembering our conversation earlier about 
your drive for achievement, the overachievers club, mm-hmm. where it, it really became a superficial, artificial way, almost like a drug of, of getting your, your fix, but it wasn't sustainable. And I think this might be the same way. If you, if you hold a grievance, it might give you this brief sense of power or control over a situation that you have no control over. It's also self-protective. Yeah. Right? If you stay angry, for, for me, the, the experience was, is if I stay angry, then I don't risk being vulnerable. If I stay angry, then I, I um, put, it's armor, and it right. protects me against being hurt. So I thought. So you but, thought. But it also, right. doesn't, it also doesn't let in the love. Well, if you, I just got this image of wearing a full suit of plate mail armor. Right. But I like to swim. <laughs> Me too. Well, I got a problem. If I, if I can't shed the armor, I don't get to enjoy a cool breeze or a nice swim or a hug from a loved one. That's right. It shuts us off from all of those pleasant things too. So it becomes a, a much more artificial sense of protection and, and isn't even sustainable. That's right. Over time, it can be exhausting. That's right. Forgiveness. Love it. You've also learned, I think you called it resilience. Yes. Is that the other principle you wanted to mention? Resilience, absolutely. Um, even though my mother was a really troubled woman and she drank um, and was for much of my young life mean and abusive toward me, trying. I didn't appreciate this when I was a young person. Only later did I realize that she still, to the best of her ability, tried to work. She couldn't always. Tried to put food on the table. She couldn't always. But it was not for lack of trying. And as the title of the book um, suggests, she used to give me this salt shaker when I was a child. This was to sort of get me out of her hair. And she'd give me a salt shaker and she'd say, go outside and sprinkle salt on a robin's tail. And if you can catch a robin, if you can get the salt on the tail, the robin will stand still for you. It's pretty impossible. But I did it. And I would be on our street and I was five years old and I would be running up and down the street with this salt shaker, determined, determined. And I never succeeded. And I would come into the house dejected with my salt shaker empty and say, I couldn't do it. And she would look at me and she would say, you will, you will, you will do it tomorrow. Yes. And, And it was an interesting juxtaposition to this woman who was so defeated And yet, she had this amazing ability to say, tomorrow's another day. And so throughout my life, when I had confronted incredible adversity, including trying to get my career started, I I was hit by a car in 1991 and had to learn how to walk again. A lot of things happened. I had losses. I had my own emotional collapse. There was always that voice in me that said, you will, 
tomorrow is another day. I had it in me and I still have it in me. And it, it, it doesn't mean denying frustration. It didn't no. mean, you know, it doesn't mean saying, I'm afraid. I don't think I can do it. I want to quit. I let myself say all those things and I sit and I have my moment and maybe my, my small brief pity party. And then I think I can, I can do it because well, because I'm the only one who can do it. And so that's my perseverance story. Salt on a Robin's tail. Now the title of your book is making more sense. Well, I thought I should explain it. Uh, well, you know, this is, um, this is such a fascinating story to me because despite all of the difficulties that your mother was facing, and you've come to a greater appreciation perhaps of, of where she was coming from as you become an adult yourself and realize she did the best that she knew how to do with the resources she had. And one of the great gifts that she gave to you as a young child is this sense of resilience and determination, which she not only exemplified, but she gave you some experiences as she handed you a salt shaker. Mm -hmm. <laughs> said, Go after it, kiddo. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll get it eventually if you continue to persist. Mm -hmm. So have you caught a robin yet? Never did. I never did catch the robin. But I love to watch them, um, and and it and it all and they never it never fails to remind me of that experience, and it never fails to remind yeah. me of my mother who could who would go to bed at night in the most awfully sad mood or upset or drunk, and wake up the next day and say it's a new day, and yeah. I would marvel. And think how could you how could you possibly do that? And um, it was it was pretty impressive, pretty impressive. And in so many ways, you still pick up your salt shaker every day, don't you? I do. I think it's the only way for me to move through my life. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's easy for many reasons to feel discouraged in life and in this right. world now more than ever it is so easy to feel discouraged mm -hmm. and i think we are all feeling discouraged um at this at this time in life and i i think i think it's important to acknowledge it to give ourselves permission to have it and then to think how can i how can i put a foot in front of the other right. and right. For me, sometimes the, the most direct way to do that, to be quite honest, is to help somebody else, to get out of my own way and to get out of my own head and to do a kindness for another person. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it puts things back into perspective for me. It does. And there's so many abundant opportunities all around. Yeah you can assume that other people are having a hard time and you're going to be right. Right. In most of the cases. That's right. So pick one of those to serve. Andrea, this is, has been a great conversation. I think as we've honed in on some of the principles, particularly forgiveness and resilience, mm 
mm-hmm. that can help us to get through those hard times and create some some hope. And then with your last invitation here to reach outside of yourself, go serve someone else. Mm-hmm. That's an, an amazing experience that you can have that can change things right now today. Absolutely. Andrea, your book is Salt on a Robin's Tail. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do a lot of other writing too, but some of that is not even for you. Uh, you're assisting other people with their writings too. How can people connect to you or, or find your book? I have a website, which is my name, andreacott.org. People can visit my okay. website and there is a contact page. And, Wonderful. The, book, and the book is available uh, both on amazon.com and it is also available through the publisher's website. And the publisher is Blyden, B-L-Y-D-Y-N, Square Books. So it would be BlydenSquareBooks.com. So the book is available in those two ways, as well as in, in my area in New wonderful. York, it's at some local stores. Well, wonderful. That's uh, Andrea Cott, spelled K-O-T-T, dot org. That's your website. And then uh, the publisher's website is Blyden, B-L-Y-D-E-N, Square. No, B-L-Y-D-Y-N. D-Y-N. Thank you for the correction. B-L-Y-D-Y-N. B-L-Y-D-Y-N, Right. Wonderful. Andrea, thank you so much for joining us today at Live On Purpose Radio and for sharing your story. Thank you. It's been a pleasure and an honor. Thank you so much. Folks, you've heard it now, and hopefully you've been inspired to do something with this information. We invite you now to do that. It's time to go live on purpose. Mm -hmm.